Welcome to Live from Lake Balfour podcast. I'm Matty Wasserman, joined by Danny Silver for our Jacobs Cup recap. Danny, how's it going? Great, 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 Matty. It's good to be back. Um, I know we spoke a couple days ago. So much has happened since our last conversation, but I'm excited to recap what was an amazing day yesterday with uh, with the Jacobs Cup squad. Well, you got back from what was it, like a 21-hour day? From We woke up. Uh, I woke up the waiters. Well, I went into the waiter bunk at 5.15 a.m. Grant Siegel was already up, waking up the rest of the team that lives in that bunk. Then I went to the other bunks, and we were in the dining room by 5.30. We were on the road by 5.55 a.m. on the big bus, and we returned just before 2 a.m. So my math is correct. It's like a 21-hour day out of camp with a lot of action in between. So a lot of action in between five games. So the cliff notes in case anyone didn't hear it by now, Baco makes it to the finals of Jacobs cup, a 16 team tournament at camp Timberlake three hours away. The first time Baco had ever made it to the finals of this tournament. So even though the loss to Seneca Lake in the finals, a tough loss at the end, still overall, you consider it a pretty successful day for Baco. Absolutely. I know we all know we could have played better, which leaves a little bit of a sour taste especially in the team, in, in, in the players' mouths. But to do something this special um, and to get as far as we did and knowing how many people it brought together um, in the Baco Enchinau world, alumni, parents, um, the campers here at camp, knowing everybody was rallying behind us, watching the finals, knowing that the effort of these kids brought all of that together, makes it so special. Um, you know, 16 camps, and we were one of the last two standing. Um, and I think the last two camps standing were the two best teams there. And uh, like I said, I, I think we could have played better, but overall, um, very successful day. We did something no Baco team has ever done. And um, it was eventful, to say the least. Yeah, so let's get into every part of this day. There's five games across the day, and give us your initial reactions. You draw the teams right when you get there. What did you think of the draw when you pull those teams out of the hat at the start of the tournament? All right, so I know we've discussed this on this pod before, but the way it works is you don't know who you're playing until you get there. Um, coaches from every team all go to the middle while everybody's watching. You pick a number out of a hat, and that dictates – your your draw so there were four groups of four um i sent eli greenberger up there because when i used to draw we never got a good number um eli drew number eight so in our group was pontiac trails end ourselves and westmont um and essentially you had to go three and oh to assure yourself a semifinal berth um, and I think with looking back on it, our group was either the most difficult group or the second most difficult group. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's the way the day set it up. I really didn't care um, who we played. I've said this before. My my big thing is I just don't want to play that first time slot. Having the long bus ride, I think having that extra hour to stretch, that extra hour to watch basketball um, is ideal. Um, I think the only time you ever want to play that first game is if you're playing against Timberlake with the big crowd and because that could just naturally get your juices going. So we actually got that. So I was happy that we um, we got that first hour off to watch. Um, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the day. Yeah, so then take us through the group stage games. It's a tough draw. So Baco comes out first against Westmont and got a good result in that game. So sort of what did you see early on? So before that, um, you know, a lot of the – 
team has been to Jacobs before. So the way it's set up is Timberlake plays that first game in the Timberdome, which we were actually a part of last year. We weren't a part of this year. And it's a really cool scene. It's like a big part of the experience. It's, it's a huge pep rally. The crowd is awesome. Um, the game production is awesome. If, if you go and you don't see that, you're really robbing yourself of like a lot of the entertainment. But our team that had been there before, they had no interest in watching that. They just wanted to watch the teams that we had to play. And that was the first sign to me. Well, actually the second sign to me that we were like, this was a business trip and we were locked in. The first sign was when I walked into the waiter bunk at 515 and Grant Siegel was up looking at me in the eye. And I knew that he, that he was ready. And, um, and I think that whole approach was consistent with the team. So we play Westmont first game. Um, very one-sided. Uh, the way th it worked was if three of the teams went two and one, it went to least points allowed. And in this tournament, so many of the teams are even that that scenario is very much in play. So we knew we were probably better than Westmont. My challenge to the guys was let's shut them out. And I wasn't even kidding. We had advantages at every spot on the court. And I thought if we could do our best, even in garbage time to limit them to as few points as possible, that would set us up for later in the day. If it came down to tiebreakers, um, we didn't shut them out obviously. Um, but we wanted by about 25, everybody got in. We played really well. The defense was suffocating and it was a great way to start the day. So that's how the day started. And then we got a rest after that game. Right. So. And you know, having been off of last year on the cramps and everything you guys dealt with a year ago, are you thinking early on about getting people rest? How do you sort of navigate? That? It's a balance because you want the guys to get reps and you want the guys to get in a rhythm and you want the guys to feel success. Um, but at the same time, you want to be mindful of minutes played and legs and physical exertion. So I tried to strike a balance. The first half, we were full throttle. I really played, you know, the top seven guys. Um, maybe I played eight in the first half. The second half, I trickled everybody in two or three at a time. Um, everybody got plenty of minutes. And I felt like um, regardless of the lineup that we had, we were going to be able to defend and score enough points so that the numbers in the end were going to be favorable. Um, and then uh, our next game was against Trails End, who we had seen play Pontiac. Uh, earlier and trails end, even though they lost to Pontiac, I thought they looked very good. It turns out that in my opinion, they were the second best team that we played all day. So the trails end game kind of set the tone for the way the rest of the day was going to go. It was a crazy game. We really struggled to score um, throughout the first two thirds of the game. Our defense, that was probably the only time the whole day where I felt like our well until the finals where I felt like our defense wasn't great. Um, they kind of lit up our man-to-man -man early. We went into this 3-2 zone, which kind of was our backbone for the next five hours of the day that kind of changed the game. And then we eventually started to make some shots. Hudson hit it, some huge threes. Um, Zaire Williams had massive buckets on putbacks and uh, drop-down passes from Hudson. He had a huge and one, and Grant Siegel really, in the end, willed us to a win with um, – some defensive plays where he stripped the other team's point guard and went down and scored. And he had the and one that eventually gave us the lead, which I think under a minute to go was our first lead of the game. And we held on to win by three. Um, that was a real game. That, that, that game was one of those that was a good sign because we didn't play well. The other team was good 
and we found a way to win at the end, um, which is a good sign going forward, obviously. Right, and that eventually sets up a like de facto quarterfinal against Pontiac, both teams 2-0 and when you play that last game of pool play. So basically everything's on the line in that game. You have to win that game to advance. Yeah, so Pontiac uh, beat Trails End, and they beat uh, Westmont. So we were both 2-0 and going into that game with the right to go to the semis. And everything was good at this point. Um, we had just won handily against Westmont, survived a scare against Trails End. And I think at this point, looking around all the other teams, we felt good about our chances and where we stood in the larger pecking order. But it didn't matter if we didn't beat Pontiac. Pontiac, defending champs, also the team that eliminated us last year. And we were playing them on the same court we played them last year. So needless to say, the motivation was right there for us. But as luck would have it, Grant Siegel made it one possession before he started to cramp up in his quad to a point where he couldn't even run. So he, he didn't even last more than 30 seconds. Um, and here's probably our strongest, most in shape fit guy. So that was a bad sign. Um, luckily for us, Hudson started off the game on fire and I think it was clear we were better. So we got off to maybe a seven or eight point lead within the first couple minutes. And then things started to go South. Um, and this is where the day really took a huge turn for us. Grant, who's you know one of our best players, is already out. Uh, Jordan Nadell, who's as in, as indispensable as a piece as it gets, got poked in the eye in the first game, and he couldn't shake it. Um, so he kept having eye issues. So he was in and out. Jared Glatzer got an early foul trouble. I didn't agree with any of the calls, but that's beside the point. Um, I'm usually not one to mention stuff like that. Uh, so we were essentially playing without Glatzer, without Noodle, without Grant. And we're not the deepest team. At least I didn't think we were that deep of a team. So we were already in kind of like survival mode. Um, but it was nice. Hudson built us this nice cushion. So Pontiac eventually realized how gassed we were. And the court's big. And they started pushing the ball. And we were not mentally or physically ready to match that. Pontiac ran right by us on the scoreboard and they built up, I think a nine or 10 point lead, but it was one of those leads that felt like it was only going to grow. If it was, if this was ESPN, it was the win probability at that point would have been like under 10%. We had guys cramping up guys who couldn't see straight guys in foul trouble. And they were just running out behind us for layups. So this was probably the darkest moment of the day. Um, somehow, some way, we got to halftime within a handful of points. I think Glatzer hit a three at the buzzer of the half. We might have scored the last five points of the half to make it like a two- or three-point game. Um, and then the second half, Zaire, who helped us win the Trails End game, and at this point was, you know, a top-line guy because of all the injuries and foul trouble, uh, he cramps up. The cramps were contagious, apparently. So Zaire cramps up. So him and Grant Siegel are on the side, writhing in pain, um, Glatzer's in foul trouble. Nadell is just starting to get his vision back, essentially. And I had to play players that hadn't seen real minutes all summer. Um, and Jack Levine and Mason Crane could not have been more up for the challenge. So those guys were really the unsung heroes of, of this game. So we were kind of down a handful of possessions most of the game. But Hudson got hot. Um, Glatzer made enough shots. Chase Rosenblum was 
unbelievable ha- handling all the guard responsibilities. And then it went down, you know, it was tied with the last four minutes. Chase cramps up. So now we got Zaire, Grant, and Chase behind the basket. And you have Levstall at a soccer tournament. Levstall's at a soccer tournament. Noodle's back now. Uh, so we're going Noodle is basically our point guard at this point. He's our point guard in crunch time. Hudson, Jack Levine, Mason Crane, and Glatzer, who was basically playing the whole half with four fouls. And somehow, some way, between this 3-2 zone and Hudson hitting some huge shots, we not only took the lead, we like extended it quickly, made our free throws down the stretch, and next thing you know, we win our pool and we're going to the semifinals. So... So what are you that thinking at that point? Are you thinking like we have the, literally nothing could have gone worse, but somehow you still want it anyways. During the game, I, I kept saying to, as every guy went down, I was just like, I, I, this is ridiculous. Like not only are we cramping up, we got a guy who's trying to rinse out his eye with water that happened to have like liquid IV in it. You know, like it, what else could go wrong? Hudson shoe broke. You know, it, we we couldn't seem to catch a break. The fact that we won was such a character win. I, I was proud of it because of, like, the Mason Crane, Jack Levine aspect. Two guys that have essentially been at every practice for the last two years and haven't gotten, like, real time. And without them, we could not have won. Grabbing rebounds, moving the ball, playing defense, finishing layups, hitting free throws all throughout the second half. Um, I was really proud of that win. But I didn't think I, I I felt like I felt like how as good as I felt early in the day, I didn't feel that great because I felt like even if we had guys come back, it wasn't going to be sustainable. Right. But this is the interesting part of the day because you're wrapping out somehow getting this win, tons of problems seemingly going on. But it was almost like you guys caught a second wave once you get to the semifinals and people started coming back. Grant came back and got healthy again. These cramps started going away a little bit. So it's almost like once you survived that sort of things kind of came back together in the semifinal, right? So luckily we got a big break um our game against pontiac was not the last time slot for pool play games so we got to watch the last pool play games and enjoy the break before the semis that was built in so we got a long break during that break if you had a camera on what our guys were doing i mean the stretching yoga theragun um guys stretching each other out massaging like uh quads grant was Looked good like early in that break. Grant was jogging around. Grant felt good and actually had no hiccups the rest of the day. Zaire took him a little bit longer, but Zaire by, you know, a couple hours after the game seemed fine. Chase was the one that seemed to be struggling the most. He was the one that cramped up last, but we were on full body recovery mode. Noodle was fine at this point. Um, So at this point we were just waiting to see who we were going to play and who was going to be available for us. Um, and the long break was huge. Right. So now take us through this semifinal game. You guys get back together. And this was the game that really seemed like the hardest one. Once you got through this, that this was going to be the most difficult challenge for you guys, right? Yeah. So the four camps that were left were us, Seneca Lake, uh, Wayne, and Timberlake. So the four of us went back up to the Timberdome at around 530 to draw to see who you play. Um, we ended up drawing Wayne. And at this point, we knew Wayne had one really, really, really good player that 
in the end, I'm not sure he was the best player in the tournament, but at this point we thought he was, I think the best player. Uh, Had you seen him play at all or just heard from other? What, the Wayne? Yeah. Yeah, no, we watched their last game and he's friends with a lot of guys that uh, are on our team. So we kind of knew his game, um, but that's who we drew. And uh, at this point we knew we were going to have everyone except for Chase. So we we essentially played the Pontiac game without Grant and half of Zaire, and we were going to play the semifinal game without Chase. So once again, the patchwork tag team of lineups operation was starting. So we play Wayne. We start in the 3-2 zone. It is very clear to me. You know, I'm, I'm obviously nervous that we just don't have gas in the tank. Uh, it's very clear quickly that Wayne is in the same boat as us. Wayne also didn't have the gas in the tank. So we ended up getting like unbelievable looks to start the game and we weren't making them, which I don't want to be, that was kind of the theme of the day. We had trouble scoring all day long. The defense was on point all day, except for the finals. Um, and that's really what willed us to the Pontiac and trails end win. But Wayne, uh, they were out of, out of gas also, but we weren't finishing. So we had a chance to build up a lead and we didn't. So Wayne, similar to the Pontiac game and to the trails end game, we were kind of playing from behind. Um, but once we amped up the defense, we came out of the three, two and applied more pressure. I think we had the fresher legs, believe it or not. And we ended up getting some baskets. Hudson, once again, hit some huge shots. Um, Jack Levine made some huge plays. Jordan Adele, uh, you know, kind of got his legs back and 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 made some leadership plays for us. And Grant was back to being Grant. I put Grant on their point guard down the stretch. And our defense, I don't think they scored the last four minutes. And we held on to a three-point win um, where we defended the three at the last second and forced an air ball. And we were headed to the finals feeling good because we got out of it healthy and Chase put on his sneakers and wanted to go in at the end of this game. And so we, I felt like we were also going to have chase. So we were headed to the finals seemingly with all hands on deck. And against a Seneca Lake team that you guys hadn't really seen them throughout the day. You'd seen Wayne play, you'd seen some of these other teams, but you didn't really know that much about Seneca Lake, right? When you're seeing them, is that more of like a judgment, the layup lines? Do you have a sense of who was going to play for them at all throughout the day? So with Seneca Lake, what we knew was that, they had a bunch of good shooters, but we heard they had quote unquote one kid that was a ridiculous shooter. Um, we didn't, we saw them in their last game against Kindering, which they lost, but they had already clinched the playoffs. So they built a lead and sat all their regulars. So that's why, so we didn't get a chance to see their regulars. Um, we knew they had beaten Timberlake by 20. Uh, we had heard they were down 15-3 and went on like a 30-4 to four run or something, and threes were dropping from everywhere. But the eye test, they weren't as big as us, but all we kept hearing is how good they were of shooters. And we heard they had just won a tournament at Tyler Hill like earlier in the summer. And so we, I mean, 16 camps, they were the camp in the finals. We obviously knew that they were good. Um, how good? We were about to find out.
Right. So in this game, this is the one that everyone was probably watching on the streams because you guys hadn't played in the Timberdome all day. I mean, last year you were in Timberlake's bracket, so you got that atmosphere and everything, but you'd been playing on the outer courts up until this final. So kind of take us through the atmosphere, because at least from looking on the stream, it looked like, you know, you still had a good amount of people there. It wasn't obviously the atmosphere when Timberlake plays, but this is still like a pretty, I mean, still, it feels like a championship type environment, right? Yeah. And I had the feeling once I don't think we played well offensively all day long, but getting through the Wayne game and seeing how we had kind of like overcome the physical stuff with the cramps, I felt like we were finally going to put together like the game. And I loved our approach all day. Um, the guys weren't, you know, over concerned about like the draw and how many this, it, the guys were like business right from the start. So getting warming up, they like didn't ask the normal Baco questions like, are there going to be fans? Is there going to be this? Is there gonna be that? They were just like ready to play. Um, and the atmosphere, like you said, it wasn't quite the electricity of last year, but it was cool to have the chanting. And most of the chanting was for us. Um, don't know why they picked us over Seneca Lake. I mean, I did hear that it looked like our camp was having more fun than the other camps. So maybe they kind of liked our vibe. I know they liked our vibe last year, but it definitely felt like a championship environment. You know, it was dark outside. The lights were bright in the Timberdome, the live stream, the big screen, um, all the people, the director, the national anthem. Um, the atmosphere was definitely there. Atmosphere is there. And then you come out and Seneca Lake just goes bonkers from three. By my count, they hit nine of their first 11 three-pointers, including their best player, where in number zero, it was five of six from three to start this game. Obviously, the offense for Baco never fully got going, but at the same time, it's hard to play one of the other end. They're just coming down and, and knocking down three after three. They started off this game with 27 of their first 29 points coming from three. So what do you even do to counter that? So... We started in a 3-2 zone, which had kind of been our backbone throughout the second part of the day. And we had success starting in it and then going man and shaking the other team up down the stretch. That's how we'd won the last two games. Um, what I didn't know, I knew about this number zero. What I didn't know is he was like their third or fourth ball handler, which made it harder to guard him because regardless of the defense we were in, other guys were handling the ball and he was roaming around. So he was harder to track than usually when you hear, Oh, their best player is this small guard. You know, usually you think he's the guy bringing up the ball. So we started in the three, two zone and within five possessions, we pulled out of it. Um, Cause they had hit three threes, him hitting two of them. But then we went man and put grant on him, and grant to the best of his ability was tracking him, but he was, Running, I mean, they knew how to get this guy open. It was like Steph Curry running off of Draymond and Kevon Looney screens while other guys are handling the ball. He was running off his screens everywhere, and he was catching and shooting. But it wasn't just him. There was other guys knocking down shots. I mean, he hit seven threes. They probably hit 12 as a team. Um, it was raining from all over. It was very discouraging. And what made it worse is we weren't scoring at the other end, and our shot quality wasn't bad. Um, we did rush some, but... You know, it, it when you're not getting stops at the other end, it's and you see the score getting wider and wider, it's natural human tendency to maybe rush a little bit. And I felt like we fell into that trap. It was nine eight, and then it was like twenty six to eleven. And we missed some makeable shots, but they didn't miss much. And they knew how to play with a lead too, which brings us to the second half, which uh 
it was obviously a better effort for us. I felt like we got it to a place where maybe we could win. What, you cut it to like six or seven? We got it to 31-24 for, I think, th- we had three possessions to cut into that. And we missed some shots. We had a bad turnover. There was an unfortunate sequence of events that they took advantage of. The frustrating part as a coach was we had no way. Once we figured, like, that guy hit five of his threes, five of his seven threes early. early. So once we kind of, I won't say took him out of the game, but once we limited his, like, direct production, it was hard to speed them up because their other guards were so good with the ball that no matter what we did, they never really got rattled. They didn't really take many bad shots. We didn't rush them with no shot clock. When you're trying to make a comeback, you need possessions, you know, to chew into the lead. And they were just very good at taking care of the ball. And then when it became time for us to put them on the line, I think they made their last eight foul shots. So that's a sign of a good team. They don't turn it over. They make their open shots. They make their foul shots. They know how to get their best player open and they defended us well. Like we didn't get many easy hoops. Um, and, you know, we we put forth a good effort in the second half. We got it to seven with about four minutes with a couple of chances to cut into it. I think if we would have gotten below that, we were like one shot away from maybe rattling them, but we never got to that. And um, I thought defensively that was our worst game of the day and uh, it was probably our only poor defensive game of the day. And, um, you know, we came up a tad bit short. So Yeah, and maybe it was the fact that they had a game and pool play where they could rest a little bit, but was your sense that they still had their legs under them in that last game, maybe more so than Wayne or any of the other teams that were in it deep in the They tournament? definitely had their legs more than Wayne did. Um, I don't think they had their legs more than us. I just felt that you feel like you're running uphill when the other team's hitting everything, and you're there. I, I rewatched the game on the bus ride home we had a lot of possessions where we had pretty good movement and pretty good opportunities where we just couldn't get it to fall. And that's for anybody that just starts to add up and just, it it becomes a man. And then the clock's ticking down and you're looking at the score and it just becomes a real tough hurdle, you know, at at that point and fatigue kind of hits different at, at that point. Yeah, okay, so a couple of things to unpack. That's the recap. Of yeah, the it's day. a little long of a recap. A, lo- but... a long recap, but I think it's important to you know paint the context of each part of this day. Baker never made it to this point, but you still are leaving here, even though it's the most successful that you guys have ever been at this tournament. It still hurts a little bit because you were that close, and while they did outplay you in that game, regardless of just the shooting itself, they were the better team. They won the game. You still leave this tournament being like, we could have won. And it does feel like the last three or four times you guys have been to this tournament, whether it was 2018, certainly 2019 with that shot at the buzzer last year when Zay was the best player in the tournament. And every year you guys have come just short against a team that ended up either winning or coming as the runner up in this tournament. And this year you guys are the runner up against a team where if the shots go differently early in the game and a couple things happen a little bit differently, they weren't substantially better. It was really around the margins. So how do you kind of process and how do you think the team processes coming this close so many years in a row? This feels like more of an accomplishment than the past years. I agree. Uh, for sure. Because you know what? Yeah, we lost to the runner. You know, th- this time we actually got you actually there. Yeah, we actually yes. got there, um, which was, you know, we had gone to the semis twice before, but this we actually got there. 
Um, and it was deserved. There was no fluke. It's not like we got the easy pathway. Like we, we were the second best team. Um, but this one hurt because I know the, 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 the core group, Glatzer, Siegel, Nadell, you know, Crane, Gino, all those guys that were on the team last year, Zaire, like they, they got there this summer, like we're going to win. And Hudson obviously got there, like we're going to win. So the guys were very upset. Like there was no moral victories for them. For me, I just think it's so, obviously I wanted to win, but I, I see the value and I'm sure the guys do too. And just how awesome, like the day was and how cool it was, how we, we had every excuse when that Pontiac cramp situation was going on and knowing how, how cool it was back outside of Timberlake with the amount of text messages I was getting throughout the day, knowing what was going on here at camp with the watch parties and what was going on with my friends and what was going on with the players, parents and everybody, you know, watching the game all over the country that's connected to Baco. Like that's pretty cool that these guys did this to create that. Um, and I know they didn't play their best day of basketball, but you know what? They played well enough because they're good enough that they created this. Like it's, it's gotta be good to be good enough that even on a bad day, like not your best day that you're still that close, you know? Yeah. And this is, we talked about this on the last podcast that this group has never lost at an inner camp before yeah. anything with this being the core group of guys. They ran through 11s. They ran through 12s. Then COVID wiped out a couple summers and yeah, they, they won, won some night games. They won night games. Like this group has had so much success over their Baco career. They have one more game coming up next week against Brandt, but this team has had so much success with these guys. And it felt like even with that success, they went up another level this summer. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the level I think they went up in my mind, is just their approach of like Jacobs is such a cool experience, but they didn't care about any of that. For them, it was about the basketball, which I think was a, w a different way of arriving at the experience of why it's so cool. And that's the value yeah. of when you go every year too. Cause when you took a team in 2008 and then 11, you didn't go for seven years. It was like, Oh my God, we're back at Jacobs in 2018. And people are kind of like, you know, a little bit starstruck. You go every year, all these guys, we talked about this before, these guys have been to Jacobs before. Yeah. The experience wasn't a wow type experience. It was like, we know we're good enough to hang with the best teams in this tournament, and they went out and did it. Yeah, I think, you know, that event is so cool for so many reasons, and the hoopla of it is such a big part of it. And that's, I think, for first-timers, that's like, and as it should be, that should be why it's so different and so much fun. But this time I think it was because these guys were so locked in on the, on the, on the competition part of it, which is a, which is another way of like it being such a cool thing. And I, I felt for all of us on the way home, it was a long bus ride home, but like, you know, these, this is a memory that they created for each other and that, you know, it was a way to get the community together and talking and different text threads going on throughout the day with alumni and friends and, you know, people here at camp and the watch parties here, like in the canteen and the back office and, you know, admin watching on their time off. And it, you know, that's what these guys created. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. And the part that I love about it is the guys that did it, it happened in a way that we didn't expect, you know, a, you know, a guy like Jack Levine was so awesome yesterday and he hadn't been in that spot before, you know, a guy like Mason Crane without him, we're not getting to the last two games of the day. 
you know, a guy like Chase Rosenblum, when the chips were down, we needed him to step up and be a guy. He stepped it up, you know, and Hudson, who, you know, is such a talented basketball player, like proved it in the biggest spots to get us to how far we, we got. And by the way, Hudson, a guy who played almost the entirety of the day, maybe not a little bit yeah. in the first game, but he basically played every minute, the every competitive minute yeah. of the day. And you guys needed him to, but he didn't have, I mean, he's a guy who plays basketball tournaments at home where he plays three games in a day. Like that type of situation, having a guy where the rest of these guys, they're athletes, but they're not at the level Hudson is in terms of playing these tournaments out of camp. And like, he knew how to play a day where he's playing five games and he proved that and, too. And a kid like Jared Glatzer, who basically was like the one kid that wasn't allowed to, he, he just wasn't allowed to cramp up. We couldn't have afforded it. I mean, he just the leadership that he provides on the court on both ends and just the reliability um, and grant. I mean, the guy couldn't walk and four hours later, he's guarding the best player in the tournament and just the effort that these kids put up um, and they do it for each other. You know, they do it for each other. And, you know, that's, you know, it, it was such a cool experience for them again. And uh, it was different, and I'm glad we made it farther. I'm sure, you know, we wish we would have won one more game. But, you know, we got more than half the summer left. They got another game to play. They got, you know, all the things that come in the back half of the summer ahead of them. And they should be proud of themselves. Yeah, I think the Baker Pride element of – it feels different, right, because we play all the same teams. This is the one time where you almost – get to put Baco on the map. I think that's what brings everyone together differently. It's like, this oh, we're just, on the map. No, no, the map. yeah, we, nobody wanted to play us. They, when we got there, it, it was like, you're the, now, we're the one buzz. of the teams. Well, like they also the knew, you know, they also knew, you know, these guys all talked, they all know each other. They knew like we, we went in there. I don't know if we were the betting line favorite, but we were, but we were definitely one of the top dogs people knew about going in. Yeah, you're one of the teams where when you draw and like Pontiac has the name of like, oh, you don't want to draw Pontiac. Like Baco's in that group of teams. Where yeah. When you're sitting at the yes, draw, yes. Baco's one of the teams. Four or five years ago. No. Now. Yes. Right. And you know what? That's all to just the vibe on the courts and the effort and time these kids put in. Um, it's cool. I mean, it's cool. It's well, it's well deserved. Yep. So as Danny said, they're going to have one more game coming up against Brandt. That'll be the end for most of these kids. You have Hudson coming back next year, which is crucial for this team because he was big. Was he the tallest player in this tournament? I think so. He was also one of the and one top, of the best. Yeah, he was also one of the top three or four. Um, and he did it on both ends. I mean, we we had a lot on him. We we asked him to do a lot, and he hit some massive shots in in. In, in, in all those wins and um, without him, there's no, I mean, we're not even, we're not, not we're, close, yeah, yeah, we're not getting out of pool play, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. And so he comes back and it's going to be a different core around him. You had a couple of the young yeah. guys there as well. On yeah. The some good young talent in camp. We expect to go back to this tournament as long as they'll have us. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to make a name for ourselves, but most of all, it's just such a cool day, like full day for whoever's on the trip. And um, I want to give a shout out to Phil Dodd, our, our, uh, our bus driver, who was the hero of the day. Uh, he put in the time, got us to and from safely. And uh, it was good to have him along. Yeah. But he should now a tennis pro. Yeah. 
with doing some uh, backup bus duty. Yes. It was a long day, but again, successful. So we're super happy that obviously everyone, the kids got to have this moment. They didn't quite get it done, but Bakos had another successful year of basketball and it's not quite done yet. It's not done yet. 12s basketball. There's still the night game coming up later. So more to come this summer for sure. But Danny, thank you for, thank you for having me, Maddie. Um, all right. And thank you guys for listening through to this podcast. As we said, we're going to be going on pretty regularly throughout the remainder of the summer. So make sure to stay tuned to everything. But for now, I am Maddie Wasserman signing off and we will see you next time on the Live from Lake Balfour podcast.